Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Uh, rely heavily, more heavily on our veterans. Okay, um, it wasn't anything that Aaron Gordon did. You know, I considered bringing uh, you know, Alfred out and leaving him in. I just wanted to get, you know, uh, you know, separate those two guys a little bit and have them each play with four veterans most of the game. You know, and uh, pull Mario out of the, the, the rotation, hopefully not for long. But... Um, you know, when you're when you're struggling, you turn to your vets. And you are indeed locked on magic. Today is November 12, 2016, a special edition of Locked On Magic because we had a little bit of news and to talk about. Uh, my name is Philip Rosmerich. I'm the uh, editor and site expert over at OrlandoMagicDaily.com. And to join us and talk a little bit about uh, a very strange evening at the Amway Center as the Orlando Magic fall to the Utah Jazz, 87 to 74. It's our good pa- good friend Chris Barnwall. Chris. What 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 did we watch tonight? What 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 was that? Um, it was it was a basketball game that actually arguably was their best game of the season <laughs> because they kept the they kept the score low. Yeah, and that you know honestly that might end up being the winning strategy for the Magic is to just make these games incredibly ugly and low scoring. Um, but uh. 87 to 74 is is rough rough no matter how you cut it um the magic missed 12 consecutive shots in the fourth quarter going from a four point lead to a 10 point deficit in that time uh, essentially that was the game just they, they kept missing shot after shot after shot a lot of them good looks too uh and it seems like every game now the magic have that that kind of a drought where they just cannot get it all together um zach it First, you know, we're, we're nine games into the season before we dive into, I guess, the big issue of the Wait, day. Zach? Oh, sorry, not Zach. I talked to I talked to <laughs> Zach too much. I, I, I talked insulted. To, you should you should be. I'm 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 ashamed. I'm gonna go lock. I'm gonna go lock myself in the penalty box uh, for. You're gonna go while. locked yourself in the pot. Yeah, in the penalty yeah, box. yeah. <laughs> in true Zach fashion, you made you made a pun, and now I'm angry. Um, Chris. Wait, wait, wait! Aren't you the pun guy? I'm the pun guy. Yeah. I feel like we need so why, to re- I feel like we need to restart the podcast. Not not really, but uh, um, <laughs> I I watched it. I you know we were both watched a game where where one team scored seventy four points, missed twelve shots in a row in the fourth quarter, and shot thirty three percent for the game. Uh, I'm a little fried. I'm sorry, uh, but but Chris, um, through through nine games now, almost ten games of the season, did you expect the offense to be this bad or? What did you? What? Where are the magic compared to to what you thought this team would be, or, or what what really concerns you now? I I honestly thought that offense was going to be pretty bad. Like when everyone started talking up Evan Fournier as like one of the primary scoring options for this year and being like really important for scoring, I knew they were in trouble. Just I Evan Fournier is a good player, but he's not your first scoring option. He's not your second scoring option. He's barely your third scoring option. Like. 
the fact that they have to rely on him so much is really concerning. And we're seeing that what happens when you have only one shooter really in your starting lineup. Like, this isn't a very shooting, a good shooting roster. Sergei Ibaka is okay, but he's not lights out. Vucevic is not a three-point shooter. Peyton's definitely not one. Aaron Gordon's still working on it, and I wouldn't really call him one yet. DJ Augustine, you can't really trust that every night. CJ Watson's okay. Hazonia, we don't even know if he's actually a good shooter. We thought he I'm was. Still, but... I'm still not sold on it. He, he wasn't good last year either. Right, So, and he didn't play against the Jazz, so maybe he's just not good, which that's a bigger problem and a, another discussion. But So when you look at this roster and that they can't really shoot and there's not much scoring and then you have to rely on their one sole score who might not even be what he should be playing that role in. Like, yeah, I thought the offense was going to be bad. What I wasn't expecting was the worst shooting team in the NBA bad. They are currently shooting 45.3% on effective field goal percentage and 48.7% in true shooting percentage. That is enough for the worst in the NBA on both categories. So they are horrendous. Yeah, it's 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 really it's really really bad. And and I knew and I think we all knew the offense was going to be bad. Everyone who told who asked me how are the Magic supposed to score? How are the Magic going to score? I told that I literally said, don't worry about the offense. This team is focused on defense. You know, you know. You, you but they're the, not good on defense. They're not good on defense. But I mean, you covered the Char- You covered that Charlotte Hornets team from a few years ago. They were pretty bad offensively too, but they were a top ten defense and made the playoffs. Right. That, so that, they that were formula least, works. They were they weren't good on offense, but they were at least like below average. They weren't like the worst team yes. ever. Yes. Offense, like so, just you can be bad on offense, but you can't be horrendous. Like you have to have something. You need to like have runs and we actually saw a couple of runs against Utah. So maybe they're working towards that and maybe they're figuring something out, but you need something to really get the offense going. And this team, they really need something to help their offense. Like at least be a little more consistent. The defense really though is really concerning to me because if they were at least kind of competent on defense, maybe that could create some offense, you know, get some fast break points for them. Like, I mean, that's, when they, ways mo- get- that's when they had their most success against Utah on, on Friday. Right, was when they were getting steals and getting out on the break and really moving the ball around. Like they, they caught them off guard. Like you don't get those easy points, which that seems so basic. But Orlando is, hasn't been doing that this year. Yeah, and that shows when they they give up 107.6 points per 100 possessions this year, and like that's good enough. The only team that's uh, worse than that are like the Knicks and a couple others. Like they're not very good at defensively either. Yeah, and I mean some. I mean some of it is certainly new coach, new players, all that, all that jazz, pun intended. Uh, but um, it it's it it doesn't look like it's coming together. I mean, it, it, you you see flashes for a few brief moments, but they're not long enough. They're not you know you don't see a good quarter necessarily. You, you know you see a good five minutes, a good six minutes, and then it stops, and then it, things begin to snowball again, and they it, and they fall behind. And you know honestly. When I look at this game against the Jazz, especially early on, it just felt like Utah was missing a lot of shots, and, and they were still beating the Magic defense. But maybe Orlando was giving up mid-range jumpers instead of layups, and, and so they, they got away with it a little bit because of uh, the Jazz just missing shots and having shooting struggles of their own. Uh, so it was just a very – I mean, the game was very, very strange, and, and, and certainly uh, the Magic 
did what they needed to do defensively and, and looked a little bit better. But you just don't know if it's going to last because, you know, they played well in their three wins and then kind of dropped the ball a little bit in the next three. It's just they're so inconsistent. And I don't know if it's the teams they're playing or because a lot of those wins were coming against other bad teams. I mean, mm-hmm. it took a miracle to beat Philadelphia, which is the only team that you could conceivably say is worse than them right now. Yeah. And just, so it might just be who they're playing or maybe they're just going to be this team. They're not going to be consistent this year. There's just one one game you're going to get the, your one game you're going to get an all right night and another game you're going to get a mediocre night. You mentioned uh, that Charlotte team I watched a few years ago. Uh, they remind me of that Bobcats team I watched oh a long time ago. Oh no. Don't the no Mike no Dunlap, don't. The, the Mike Dunlap Bobcats teams where they created the term bobcatting, where you were the worst offensive team and the worst defensive team in the league. I don't think this team's that bad yet, but they remind me of it a lot with how bad so with how bad this offense is. So when we got on call earlier and you were like, "Oh, this was that was a really bad game," I was like, eh, "It wasn't that bad." It was because I was I watched some really bad games back then. Yes, yeah, I, 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 I still, I still, you know, pray for your soul for for that one. Um, but you know. Anytime though there's there's a bad uh, a bad team or a team that's struggling, the natural thing to do is to tinker with the lineup a little bit. And um, there have been some you know Frank Vogel had hinted that he might change the lineup. He actually said at shoot around this morning that he had no plans to change the lineup. And so it was a surprise when we got to the Amway Center uh, that the Magic had decided to start Jeff Green over Aaron Gordon. Um, this that that move to me had a lot of symbolic value. Um, or a lot of symbolic meaning or potential reading into, but uh, what did you think of the decision to start to start Jeff Green? And and I'll I'll give what what Frank Vogel said after the game, um, which I, I which I I played at the top of the show as well um, ab- about what about the reasons for why he made the change. I mean, the changes they clearly they needed want, to do something. They needed to do something, but I don't think they made the right change. The lot like Jeff Green wasn't good offensively, but no, neither was anyone else. But I mean, but it wasn't his fault that the team stunk that night. It was, but I don't think that was the change they needed. Like he did some things that kind of helped and kind of changed it. And you could see that Aaron Gordon like thrived a little more when he was playing a little bit more four and playing with the backups and getting to play a little different. But really, I don't think that was the change they needed to make. It just it felt like they replaced one tweener like player with another tweener like player who's just been around longer like so i feel like if they're going to make big changes it's going to have to go you know at the point guard spot and the center spot where they're really really or the power forward spot even where they're really struggling right now these key guys and alfred payton vucevic and ibaka like none of them are playing well right now and all those guys could very reasonably be benched and you could explain it easily like they're not playing good yeah, to me, to me, Aaron Gordon was the last guy that I would have benched because say say what you want about this uh, this this experiment of having him play the three. This this team wants to be built on defense, and Aaron Gordon is by far the best defensive player on the team. Right outside, I mean Bismack Biombo, but best perimeter defense, best perimeter defender on the team, and he's played really really well and done everything the team's asked him to do. Uh, maybe. Maybe you can argue that his usage rate's a little too high and he tries to freelance a little bit too much on offense, but Frank Vogel said he wanted the ball in Gordon's hands. You can't blame him for trying to experiment a little bit too. 
Uh, you look at the shooting percentages, Gordon's shooting better than Jeff Green. He's not getting the line as much, but he's even competitive uh, three-point shooting, 8 for 26 on the year. Jeff Green is 11 for 34. That's not like a that's not a huge difference. It's 30.8% for Gordon, 32.4% for Green. That, that includes Friday night's game. Uh, so it's not like there's a huge difference offensively in them. And losing that defense, it didn't hurt the Magic uh, in Friday's game at the beginning. Um, it may have toward the end of the game when Gordon wasn't finishing and they finished with Green. And I, I just don't see how... You know, maybe Green gives you a little more fluidity driving because he's older and knows how, what he's doing. But I, I don't see how that changes very much for the Magic other than to send a message to, to somebody that no one's on, send a message to the team that no one's untouchable. And the guy who's probably the, the face of the franchise in some ways right now uh, can go to the bench too. I think one thing it did kind of provide was it did provide a veteran presence that kind of knew. I'll say what people will about Jeff Green. He's been on winning teams. He knows how to play winning mm-hmm. basketball. So he might not be the best player in the NBA. He's just average, and that's fine. But he knows like kind of where you need to be, and he knows how to play. And I remember one play in particular where Evan Fournier was at the uh, top of the arc, and he was getting ready to set a pick with uh, it was either Vucevic or Biombo. I don't remember who. And uh, they had someone standing in the left corner, and Green was on the opposite uh, side on the opposite wing. And he was waving his arms like, no, get deeper in the corner. Like, Because he did that, it created more space for the pick and roll, which then gave uh, Fournier a more open lane to get to the rim. So obviously Green like has, sees something out there and can provide a little bit of something like in that sense. So maybe that's why he played him just because I know Vogel said he wanted a veteran presence out there. And while we all want to see our young guys, like there's something true to the fact that veterans just know how to play more than young guys do. And like they yeah. see things differently. Starting to sound a little bit like Scott Skiles. <laughs> All right. Well, I quit. Oh, sorry. Well, well, this this will be the two and twelve portion of the podcast. Uh, you know, we'll, <laughs> we'll 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 tank the rest the rest of the podcast. Uh, but uh, yeah, no, no, I, I I I do agree with that. I mean, and the Magic are under I think extreme pressure to win now, and and certainly they want to win. It's still nine games in the season. They're three and six. Like as bad as the magic have been playing, if you care to look at the standings this early, they're like a game out of the playoffs. It's not like they're, you know, you know, they're right on, there. Yeah. They're not taking on water. They, they figure this out and write the ship. They're, you know, they're, they're not, you know, they're keeping contact. So to, so to speak with the, with the pack. I mean, it's not like they're falling out and everyone should be, you know, kind of panicking and bailing water. There, there are problems for sure. And a change in the starting lineup seemed very, very necessary, but it's not like, you know, they the early be... sample size is just really concerning right now. Yeah, no, absolutely it is. It's it's the way they're playing cannot like the... continue. Well, it's more just like this. Looking at stats is always difficult this early in the year because there's so much noise and so the sample size is so small. And, and just, one, the and fact one game that they're shooting everything, right? But the fact that they're shooting as bad as they are and their net ratings as bad as it is and like and they're just so low in every category is like that's more concerning long term because. There are other teams where their numbers, like their record and their numbers don't really match up well, but you like look at it and you're like, you know what, I think this is going to pan out midway. Well, this team is like, oh God, like this could get so much worse. And like you almost feel like they're playing, like the fact that they have three wins is playing above themselves. Yeah. Personally, I think that they still have time to uh, get better because they're still trying to implement, get used to and implement vocal system defensively. And there are defensive players on this team and athletes that can at least 
you know, win some games and like play defense. So I don't think they're going to catastrophically fall apart. I mean, I think there's potential for that, but I don't think they will because I think Vogel's just too good a coach. But this is clearly a team where if something doesn't change positively soon, like the chances of just a complete and total fallout are much more likely because while I do think the defense will come around, like that offense can't remain that way forever. Like just if it does, they're not going to make any progress. Oh, for sure, for sure. I mean, certainly the, the trends cannot continue, and the fact that they're playing kind of above what the statistics say they are is it it, it says something it's concerning, of their but also but, yeah, it's concerning but also promising. Yes, like they're they're you see you see the moments where this team looks like it, it can work, um, but they're they right had now, some they're just really moments. great moments. They had some really great moments against Utah, like just really yes. really good runs. Yeah. Like that, I mean, there's that one play where Biombo uh, blocked the shot on one end, one end, and started, you know, started a fast break. Like anytime he does that, the team just feels uplifted for like two or three, pos- two, two or three of the next possessions, and uh, you can really see that energy kind of building up. It's just like you got to charge them up a little bit, and I think that was one of the reasons why Vogel wanted to do the lineup change was they would just be coming out so flat, and he needed to find a way to inject some energy into the team and. Again, that's why I think Jeff Green was the wrong move to make because Green doesn't inject energy. He might inject some stability, but not any energy or intensity into the game. And like, I don't know. I mean, I'll ask you what what you think your lineup change would be. But if I were making a lineup change right now, I would I would really consider putting Biombo in the lineup. I'd do it for Ibaka um, and say, you know, to hell with with uh, any offensive spacing, um, let's just, let's just pack the paint and get out and transition. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's tough to bench Ibaka because of everything you've given up for him, even though he's really struggled to start the year, both on both ends of the floor. Uh, but at the same time, Vucevic has done just about everything you've asked him to do defensively. And he's been better than Ibaka in a lot of ways defensively, which you never thought you'd be saying. So no, I, don't know what, I, I don't know what lineup change you, you would make to, to, to kind of do that. I would never start Ibaka personally – or not Ibaka, sorry. I would never start Biombo mm-hmm. personally. I just – I've seen him for many years and, mm-hmm. you know, he's a very solid bench role guy. Like he's energetic. He provides blocks. He dunks. He's fun. It's like, yeah, it's so awesome. But you know what? He also completely, totally tanks her offense. He does. He won – like – he can, he's really unreliable in catching the ball, and you know he's gotten better at that. But just you can't rely on him offensively on a team that can't shoot. <laughs> and this team, and this, certainly, and I, certainly, you can't rely on him to do much on offense in a lineup that also includes Alfred Payton and Aaron Gordon. Right. What I do think they need to do is I think they need to just go small. I think yeah. if they're really this depend, if they really want to start Alfred Payton as bad as they do, if they really think that there's potential in him, which there might like he might just not be good, which that pains me to say because I really like him and I really liked him his rookie year. But if he might and just if he just ends up not being good, but if they still believe in him right now, I say you give him the best chance to be good, and that's start Payton, start Fournier, start uh, someone. I guess maybe Jeff Green at the three. And then go uh, Gordon and Ibaka and just bring Voot. I know that's really weird to do with all your bigs that you have right now because that means you're bringing both uh, Vucevic and Biombo off the bench, but maybe that's what you have to do right now. Yeah, no, I, I don't, don't think that's really fair to Vucevic, who 
he's not been great this year, but he hasn't been horrendous. I mean, he's been, I mean, he's probably been better defensively than he's ever been, which probably isn't saying a whole lot. I mean, grant, his granted problem his against Utah was that, was that he ran into uh, Gobert, which that's just not, like, yeah. that's just not fair to him. <laughs> he yeah. couldn't, yeah. He was missing everything around the rim, and that and it was entirely Gobert. I mean, that's that's what Rudy Gobert does, and and that's the presence the Magic are still looking for, and why they went after Biombo and Ibaka, and went a little bit little bit crazy with the with the bigs. Um, I mean, it, this this team is not an easy fix. I, I I don't think there is an easy cure all fix. I mean, you can start DJ Augustin at, at point guard and. Maybe that gives you a little more offense and a little more of that kind of veteran stability that that Frank Vogel is looking for, but it doesn't necessarily change your. Uh, if your if they end up starting Augustine, then that officially that's them admitting they have to give up on the yes. Eva, the Alfred Payton experiment. Which yes. I think that's the one of the few reasons that they won't give up on him that quickly. Now, maybe starting Augustine is just saying to him, "Okay, we're going to go back to developing you a little and giving you a little less pressure," but. I still feel like just that's them just submitting. I mean, okay, we got it wrong. I mean, it with Aaron Gordon, it's a little bit different because Gordon missed so much of his first two seasons. With Alfred Payton, I, I think you're right. If you send him to the bench at this point, it's pretty much admitting that yeah, this didn't work out, and you know we're gonna try and bring him off the bench because he's still really talented and still do a lot of good things for us. But he's not our starting point guard and. I don't. I, I mean, I don't think DJ Augustin is your long-term starting point guard either, and so you got to start. No, you if, know, if he's your for, long-term starting point guard, you're in trouble. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, and I said that. I, I think I've said that about just about a lot of the players on the Magic's bench. Like, uh, anytime you talk about the Magic's offseason, Jeff Green's contract comes up, and wondering if he'll eat into minutes. And I think I said on Locked On Fantasy Basketball, if he's eating into minutes, then that means there's a problem with the player he's exactly. whose minutes he's eating into. Exactly. Exactly. I, I, I said. I think I said at the beginning of the season, if Jeff Green is starting over Aaron Gordon, that means something has gone terribly wrong. And well, right now, I guess something's gone terribly wrong. It's. It seems. It seems that way. And um, this is, I guess, the next part and the last thing I, I guess we, we we should talk about now before running too far ahead of ourselves because it's still a long way away. Still got a month month away until this really picks up. But what? You know what do the Magic search for? What do the Magic offer? You know when the trade market opens up to to fix to fix this because you know Rob Hennigan GMing for his job so to speak. They've got to make the playoffs this year, I think, to 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 for him to save himself and possibly the franchise in some ways. You know from having to go through another like four years of rebuild. I mean, what what do where where do they go with this? There's only one player that's going to get them anything and really return it. That's Vucevic. I'm like, still not sure he gets a whole lot, though. But who else are they going to trade? That's the thing. I know. That's. I mean, he's the obvious trade tar- trade piece, and probably like. I mean, unless they're unless, unless they they're only cut, to trade Aaron unless Gordon. they decide to cut bait on Alfred Payton or Aaron Gordon, like yeah, the only player that they can reasonably trade is Vucevic. They just signed Biombo to a contract. You can't trade Ibaka. <laughs> I mean, I guess you can, but like, I mean, who's going to try give you I'd anything be, for an expiring? I'd be, shopping, I'd be shopping. I mean, that's that's the next next piece is our, you know, that the thing that the thing that, that I would fear if I'm a Magic fan is the team is the team falls out of the playoffs and or the team is just 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 close enough that they still believe they can make the playoffs, kind of like last year, uh, and they decide to 
trade those expirings, trade like a Baca or a Green for long-term money to just try to make the playoffs this, this season. And that doesn't pan out at all. And now they're not going to be able to. I don't think they're going to be able to trade them just because they're expirings. No one's going to give you anything for them. I mean, I think that's. I think that's that's probably fair. Um, I mean, you got to 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 trade them for. I guess to to trade them at all, you're going to have to take on long term salary. And for it's a player that's probably dubious dubious that you actually want. I guess. I mean, huh. it's. I mean, it's hard to predict the trade market. It's still a month away from really right. Up and again. you don't know who's going to be. You don't know who's going to be available. Who's like, they're really going to consider trading. And just my guess is Vucevic, just because I feel like, on the basis of he's on a still relatively newish contract, he's, he's got, not expiring, so he can actually years, get you something. He's got two years left on a on a team, very team friendly contract based on the old CBA. And he's playing really on the, well on the, the old salary cap. Sorry. And he's playing really well. So like the what's weird about him is that he's actually not shooting well around the rim right now, and I assume that's going to eventually fix itself. But I mean, eventually they're going to post him up once or twice. I would think. I think I think Ibaka, <laughs> I think Ibaka is getting more post ups than Vucevic right now. That's one thing that's been. We need to talk about that actually. What is, <laughs> Let's go for it. What is with this thing where like, and I think a uh, former tank commander on Twitter mentioned this uh, one day where it's like. They do this thing where they play Vucevic and Ibaka together, and then they take Vucevic away from the rim, which I get that you want to like you want to utilize Vucevic's passing because he's actually a pretty solid passer. Yeah, and you and putting a and one way to create spacing on teams that can't shoot is uh putting a guy in the elbow and letting him kind of work from there with passing. But the problem with that is everyone sags off Vucevic because they're fine letting him shoot forty percent from mid range, and they've been fine with him for the last year and a half. And Vucevic is frankly happy to take that shot. Right. Because it's, it's an open shot. And yeah. he, you know, he makes it some, he makes it a decent amount of times, like 40% from mid range is not terrible, but the fact is like teams give him that. And then they just post up a Baca and, and Ibaka look, I like a Baca. I like a Baca, but he's not a post up guy. He's a, he wants he's a rim to be. runner and a three point shooter. I mean, I think, so I, are they, I think some of it is they're, I think some of it is they brought Ibaka in with the idea of featuring him more in the offense, and they're trying to fulfill that promise, perhaps. Well, they are. But they're it's, doing it's a not, really it's good job working. of it. It's not working. No, it's absolutely not working. He, you know, the limited post-ups that he had in Oklahoma City, he was good at, but now that they're like force-feeding it to him and actually giving it to him, he's just not a refined post-up player at all. I mean, this is going to sound really insulting, but Dwight Howard has more post moves. <laughs> or at least what well, people yeah, think right. Dwight Howard is. Right. Abaka really his one post move is push, push, and then fade away hook. Like that's all I saw him do against Utah. That's really all I've seen him really do much of this season. Like yeah. he's a good he's a solid offensive player, but you gotta use him right, and they're not using him right like at all. I and mean, I, like I, maybe I, maybe that's not him, and maybe it's more like the spacing and the issues with the team in general, but He's not playing well, and clearly they need to use them differently. I mean, I think that's that's generally the problem with this whole roster is they're not using anyone to or not using many of the players to their maximum potential. Like, I mean, I'm okay. Which is with, weird. I don't think I didn't feel like that'd be a Vogel problem. I mean, I think that's just a ro- I think that's just a reality of the roster. Like to to make to 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 keep egos happy to play your best players 
you've got to kind of suppress what many of them are good at. To play Vucevic and Ibaka together, Vucevic ends up at the elbow. He doesn't end up picking and popping. He doesn't end up picking and rolling. He doesn't end up with post-ups because Ibaka is taking up that space. To, I guess, to space the floor some for some reason, you know, or have Ibaka be engaged in the post, he's not lining up in the corner. I don't think Ibaka has taken a corner three all season, to be perfectly I'll honest. I'll look that up right now. I'll look and that up really quick. And that's... That's what he was really, really good at at Oklahoma City was they they pop him to the corner and he would make those shots and I think I, I I'm I think I checked it after like the first first week or like the first four or five games and he had like two two attempts from the corners on three pointers I mean it's very very it's much lower than it should be. And then, right, like, like that was one of those areas where they kind of like maybe he was. That's one of the reasons things, reasons he was unhappy in OKC was he didn't like just standing in the corner yeah, when he was shooting his three pointers. That's understandable, but you still got to use that as a you, you still got to use that as a weapon. Like you can't just ignore that skill. That he hasn't he has. taken a single corner three this year. He hasn't taken a single corner three pointer this year. And he's shooting horribly on the wings, which is it's all terrible. He shoot. He's five for seven on the above the arc shot, but fourteen of. Of um, his 21 three-pointers, 14 have come on both wings, and he's only made four. I think, I mean, again, it's... it's and, you know, it's, he's a 42% three-point shooter right now, which, that's pretty good, but why is he not yeah. shooting? Why are you, When you put him on the wing there, he can't cut towards the rim. You're just, he's not really being able... What is he going to do out there? He's I mean, not going to drive it's, to the it's, rim. It's not even just that. It's, it's you've got to stretch that second big away from the paint. Because I mean, my, right, my like the, they my concern, cover pretty well there. Yeah, like my I mean, if 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 Ibaka's on on the wing, a guard can can challenge a shot, and the second big can can park in the paint and keep and keep drivers out. Just why? It's, it's just players aren't being. I don't. I mean, I'm shocked that you now that you point out to me that complete shock. I don't understand how he could not shoot a corner three all year. I agree. I mean, with I mean, your stretch four. Yeah, like that's the yeah. that's the typical stretch four spot. Exactly. It's it's uh, it's dumbfounding. I mean, even I thought gonna, even I thought he takes one or two exactly. Where are the world's Alfred Payton kicking? When Alfred Payton drives, where in the world well, is he supposed to be I kicking? Mean, I, I don't know if you want to look at this, but the Magic's overall corner threes, like they look off shooters in, in the corner. I've seen I've seen them. I saw that tonight against Utah. Yeah, they they look off shooters in the corner. Like the one time they actually passed it to the corner tonight was that it was Aaron Gordon's only three point attempt. It was wide open. It was a good shot. He missed it, but it was a great shot. Um. They rarely do that. Like, especially if Aaron or Alfred's in the corner, like Evan will not pass it to them. He'll take the shot himself. And maybe that's a good calculus on his part. But um, yeah, except tonight when I mentioned that one pick and roll play that um where I mentioned how Jeff Green like waved the guy into the corner to create space. Yeah. El- Fournier got an incredible look at the rim and then he dumped it off to, to Vucevic for some reason, who immediately yeah. got sworn by three jazz players. Yeah, I mean, it's just like so many players are just being used so ineffectively, and and Gordon, Gordon's kind of the same way at the, with this experiment at the three. I I think you got to find ways to to get him in the post a little bit, or to not necessarily in the post, but to to, to catch the ball more closer to the paint rather than at the top of the key, where he still doesn't quite know how to drive to the basket yet. I, mean, I don't know what's league average. I don't know what is league average for this, but they've taken. Um, 
Hang on, where's the distribution? They're taking about 20% of their three-pointers from the corner. That from seems both low. Corners. They're, they're 10% on the right and 9% on the left. I don't know what that is compared to league average. That I think that's low. That seems low. That I mean, does feel low. That's, a, that's the best three-pointer you can take. I mean, just as far as stretching, I mean, this Magic team has spacing issues. Like, they're, they're, like that's the problem. Like, no one Maybe they just can't get the corner shot. Maybe. I mean, are they unwilling? I mean, maybe they're unwilling to park someone in the corner, especially because they have two bigs, so they have one on the block, maybe one on the elbow, or one setting a screen, and it's just you got to spread them out. It just feels like they don't do any of the things that teams without spacing do. Yeah, and they don't. They don't. They they don't don't rim run. They don't. They don't cut. They don't. You know. They don't set. They don't set off ball screens to get to get cutters and flashers to the ball. I compare we, before we started recording. I compared it to a pickup basketball game. Yeah. Oh, it's what it feels like a lot. It's a pickup basketball game with maybe simplistic plays. It was kind of. I mean, they were almost more fun in preseason when they were just chucking. Like on offense, they would just chuck really quickly on offense to get back on defense. <laughs> Like, it felt like they were trying to get back on defense. Yeah, that's, uh, it's, this team's, this team's so tough to figure out. I, I, I'm still, you know, nine games in, I don't have a sense of their identity. Just the year, the years of, oh, they have those players I like, but I don't know how they fit is finally turning into, they just don't fit. Yeah. Yeah. No, no doubt about it. And they're going to have to do something. Someone's getting traded, or yeah. someone's getting fired. Something's happening. Something, something's going to happen. Um, uh, it, it's not going to be tonight. It's not going to be by Sunday's game. It's probably not going to be until. I think they're going to do a starting game. lineup change, though. They'll they'll change the lineup a few times. There's, for Vogel is still looking for the right combinations, and I think I think one thing I do believe is they need to find a way to better balance the starting lineup and the bench because all their shooters are on the bench. Like you'll see the bench come in so far this year. And for the most part, there's been a few occasions where they didn't. Um, but for the most part, they'll come in, bring the energy, score some points, get the magic back into the game, and kind of level the ship, level things a little bit. Uh, and then the starters come back in, and the shooting's just all gone. Like there's just no shooting. And so I think, you know. But they're also going up against bench teams. Don't they're also going that. up against bench teams, absolutely. Um, but they, they got to find a way to, to get some some shooting into that starting lineup just to bolster them a little bit, just to give it a little bit more support and a little bit more space. Um, and I think someone, it's not a demotion. It's just a, and it's kind of like what happened tonight with Aaron Gordon, actually. It's not that it's a demotion. It's a, if you play here, this team will be more effective. And Gordon kind of proved that tonight, especially in that lineup with, when he was paired with Rudez. Um, I, I don't have the plus minus on that, but um, I can look it up on popcorn machine, but um, when he was paired with Rudez, it just felt like he had so much more space to cut. Rudez looks good. Rudez we've, been wa- like, we've been waiting for them to put Rudez in as a, as a change of pace. Just Teams have to respect his shooting. He didn't shoot much. He only shot once and yeah. he made it. But like he he looked really good. And I feel like on defensively especially, like I felt like they just looked good when he played. And like that's one of the things they need. They need to find those hidden gems because – Right now, it's not good. And Mario Hazonia not playing was uh, that's a thing. Yeah, I mean, the, let's let's close the show. Let's close the show on on, on this. Then, um, what does does should we read any into anything about the Magic 
you know, benching or, or sending Aaron Gordon to the bench and uh, taking Mario Azonia out of the rotation as to the future, their their futures with the team or, or what the team is is trying to invest trying to invest in them at all. Should we should we say, you know, the Magic are giving up on these young players that they've you know invested a lot in to try and win now and it just seems futile almost. No, I don't think it really means much, okay. if anything at all. I think just Gordon, I think it was just a change of pace. Hazonia, he just might not be good. And really, looking at their minutes distribution, I feel like Vogel is just throwing stuff at a wall and seeing what stuck. Everyone played a lot. Everyone played uh, at least twenty minutes, except for Rudez and Watson. Um, most people played around the twenty-five minute mark. Like they were, it really looks like he was just distributing and seeing what worked. It felt like he was experimenting. I think he's at the point where Vogel's just going to throw throw th- lineups out there, see what works, and okay. whatever happens, happens, and then he'll. Stick with what works, and if you aren't part of what works, then you're either going to get traded, or you're going to not be on the team anymore. Like that's that just feels how it was going to be like. I don't think it was a personal message to maybe it, it, maybe a message was sent to the young guys, but I don't think it was like personal or anything. I think it, yeah, just, yeah. it was part of the process. That no, that 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 definitely makes sense. You know, I, I guess I guess like my concern would be okay if if kind of like when they when they benched Victor Oladipo last year, like. Statistically, it made sense. Um, it was a very win-now move. But I think it also kind of gave this signal that the Magic didn't quite believe Victor Oladipo was the star that they needed and, and kind of pretended to the questions that arose. I mean, and Fournier, Evan Fournier's play certainly did that too, but you know, kind of fueled the questions that arose throughout the season of, well, the Magic can't keep probably can't keep both of these guys uh, and they don't quite believe Oladipo is their star, so what do they do now with him? And so I, I wonder if that decision point is is coming with with a guy like Aaron Gordon, especially. Uh, and you know he hasn't developed; he's still extremely raw. And they've got to decide: well, is this is this guy the future of our franchise, or are we still searching for for that guy that we can truly build and, and frankly market our team around? I mean, if they're already doing that about Aaron Gordon, then they're really rushing more than I even feared yeah. because he missed half his rookie year, and for crying out loud, he's like what his third year. Yeah, like, I mean, this is players don't just players. Not every player is Kevin Durant. No, no, and, no, and and but like the, your third year is your extension year. This this is where you set your market, and you know this is a year where we're supposed to learn a lot more about Aaron Gordon and what kind of player he can be, and they they they've done a poor job defining his role and. And kind of setting a, a stronger development plan, but um, it, it's still hard to like say Aaron what Gordon he is. Lo- I just feel like Aaron Gordon's flashes are so high; they like are. That. It oh just, God, it feels they? so. It feels so much more like it's the team than him. Like, and I, I feel like that. But I mean, and like, I feel like that might just be being biased about the about me liking him as much as sure, I do as a player. Sure. But like, oh, I no, don't I'm in the same boat. I, I still be- I still believe in him, and I think this experiment at the three is is worth doing 100. percent He's getting not terrible. He's learning things. Yeah. And defensively. I feel like I wish this is something they had done earlier on. Yeah. And defensively, I mean, he's going to be an all defensive player one day. There's no doubt in my mind. Oh, he's going to be a good defensive player no matter what for the rest of his career. Yeah. Like, that's no question. Yeah. I mean, if, if the Hornets can do it with MKG, why can't the Magic do it with Aaron Gordon? Um, 
among, you know, among other examples of really strong defenders who can't shoot but still find a place in this league you know, for a very, very long time and are very productive. I mean, I think with Magic fans, like they're seeing this rebuild kind of get rushed to its conclusion and they're beginning to, to doubt and say, okay, well, why didn't they do this move? That would have fixed things or do that move. And, you know, like I... Well, it's I, not just that. I think it's more about the fact that we, the players they get rid of <laughs> that turn too. around that and too. become starters on playoff teams. Hello, that, Maurice that Harkless. Too. That too. Hello, Tobias Harris. That too. I mean, certainly the Magic. And Andrew Nicholson's playing great in Washington. What a shock. Just, I'm just waiting for the Shabazz Napier game to happen and, and for Twitter to oh, go crazy. Apparently, apparently he had a good preseason in Portland. And I just like, I was so I fed laughed. up at that point. I was like, like, I knew he, yeah, he's not good. He's not like, good. But Napier's not very good. But, you know, I'm, I'm happy he's playing he's, well. But I was like, gonna, I was so fed up you, with you former know, Magic you know, players. You know, he's, you know he's going to have like a 15-point game against the Magic this year. I'm just gonna. He should have it. a 15 point game against the Heat and the rest of the league. Like, <laughs> like he should be. A, he should want a revenge game against everyone. No one thinks he's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, well, Chris, especially sad because I really liked him in college. Yeah, well, of course. I mean, he's he'll always have UConn. He was awesome at UConn. Was I awesome loved that. UConn. I loved that title run. Yeah, that was that was a lot of fun. Um, Kevin Ollie. Yeah. One future, future, future magic coach. No, he isn't. Oh. Um, Chris, uh, thank, thanks for thanks for coming on talk, talking about the about the goings on with the magic this this uh, Friday night. Um, uh, a weird game, some some weird things happening, but uh, uh, this team eventually will figure itself out. I'm sure, if not if not before we figure it out first. Uh, but um, Chris, uh, tell everyone quickly where they can find where they can find you and, and read and read your stuff. You can find me on Twitter at Chris Barnwell, C-H-R-I-S-B-A-R-N-E-Wall. And if you want to read my stuff, you can find me at The Step Back or at The Hive, as I'm the editor there. Very cool. Chris, always good to have you on Locked on Magic. We do appreciate appreciate you coming on uh, this late on Friday night. Uh, this has been Philip ross Mike. You can, of course, follow me on Twitter at Daily, as well as on our podcast-specific feed at Locked on Magic. And be sure to like us on Facebook there as well. We have two likes. I'd like to see two more. And then I'll go like your page. Go like my page, Chris. I I appreciate that. Um, uh, And of course you can uh, subscribe to the podcast on audio boom, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn radio, all those fun places where podcasts are listened to. Uh, With that, uh, we'll be back again with another episode on Monday. I guess I won't have to recap the jazz game then. So we'll recap Sunday's game against the Oklahoma city thunder. Again, the final score from the Amway center, the Orlando magic lose to the Utah jazz 87 to 74. Until I see you all Monday, thanks for listening. I liked your page. Thank you. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando Magic podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details.